Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, wrap it up, boys. We're done. That's the it. That's it. That's uh, that's all of it. Infinity Saga is over. Spider-Man: Far From Home has hit theaters. We'll be talking lots of Spider-Man: Far From Home right after this. Today's show is brought to you by Green Chef. Visit greenchef.us/mcucast75 to get seventy-five dollars off your first three boxes. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. Jeff Randall, how excited are you to have seen Far From Home? Matthew Carroll, that was one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm with you. I just, I was, going into it, I was, I was kind of, you know, timid. I was like, they're going to bring it back. They're going to bring back that pain. There's that Tony Stark, it says in memoriam, like right at the beginning. Oh no, don't do this to me. But then they, they kind of... They made it less impactful somehow. Like they they eased the blow by putting it into uh, a kid's context. So yeah, this whole movie comes from the eyes of a teenager, and so we we basically have to process it the way that he processes it. This is a teenager dealing with the death of a loved one, and like try to deny it, but. You're not fooling anybody when you say that Tony Stark is not a loved one in your family. Let's be honest. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Like, that is Uncle Stark just passed away. He saved the he saved the planet doing it. And now we all have to grieve together through this this film. And it was it was glorious and it was great. And it was it was refreshing. And somehow it made it made it feel like everything actually is going to be okay. Yeah, it, I, I will. I, I I agreed with you a minute ago, and I'll probably take it back. I don't think this is one of the best movies of all time. Okay, that's uh, fair. But I do think it's one of the most fun movies of all time. I don't know that I said of all time. I said one of the best oh, okay. ones that I've seen. Oh, okay. And I haven't seen all of them. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Like I've never seen The Godfather. So like, yeah, yeah. There, 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 there are holes, gaps in your knowledge. I think this movie is. I I, I was talking to a friend at dinner tonight about it. About uh, what was better, Avengers Endgame or this? And I was like, Avengers Endgame is better. It's a better yeah. movie. There's better acting, better directing, uh, better storytelling overall, uh, better better effects. Uh, it's 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 more of a there was, feat. There was also a whole lot of money put into it to Absolutely. make it that much more movie. Yeah, it's amazing, and I think Avengers Endgame is by far better than this movie, but. This movie is so much more fun than <laughs> Avengers Endgame. And I think yeah. Avengers Endgame is really fun. Like, it's not, it's got some dour areas, but it has some really fun moments too. And, but this, this blew it away in the fun department. And I, I think it's exactly, I said it on last night's, uh, short take cast, but I, I think this is, this was the f- breath of fresh air that we needed after Endgame really took us through the ringer. Yeah. Endgame was not like it was really it was phenomenal. It was a feat of storytelling. Twenty two movies to tell this grand overarching story and and really bring it to this this final snap closure. And it was all of the emotions of the entire like decade of movies all wrapped up into into this three hour movie. And it really, it, like you said, it puts you through the ringer. It made you feel every emotion that, that you could possibly feel. And it feels like this Spider-Man Far From Home is that, like, that first breath after a really good cry where you're just like, I feel a lot better about myself. Like, I feel better. Like, I can actually take on the day now. That's what Spider-Man feels like as far as, like, the overarching, like, across all of the movies and, like, immediately after Endgame where you went through it and then you're just like, everything's going to be okay. We're going to be all right. It's just a perfect follow-up. It really it is. is. Um, so anything else you want to say non-spoilery? I did a lot of my non-spoiler talk last night. I'm just ready to get into the spoilers. <laughs> um, God, that no, that's, that's spoilery. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, 
We are uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. If you're tuning into this because you saw Spider-Man and you're just looking up Spider-Man content, uh, we cover everything Marvel Cinematic Universe related, which includes all the movies, all the TV shows, the Netflix shows, the Hulu shows, everything that is encompassed and connected to the Avengers universe, we cover it. So uh, if you like this, what we're doing, uh, please like and subscribe and follow us on the social medias. Uh, we're at MCUcast everywhere. So check that out, and we're going to go into spoiler section and for a throwback i'm gonna do a spoiler in three <gasps> two one it was all just disgruntled stark employees oh that was great it was all just disgruntled stark employees <laughs> like <laughs> going back all the way to the bald guy that's not tony stark <laughs> yeah. Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave from a box of scraps and now this guy shows up. <laughs> That's so great. Right. Go, pulls it all the way back from Iron Man 1. Pulls pulls a uh, small a small nothing villain from Iron Man 1. Henchman if you will. Yeah, not even a villain. Like right. so inconsequential. Throwaway character. Probably like you know, a, a stepping stone of a role for this guy into like some other extra role. And then now he comes back. He comes back 11 years later. <laughs> yes. Yes, he so does. Good. It's so good. And I feel like that guy might come back again as well. Oh yeah, he absolutely will. That Okay. So I have, I have a small theory about that. He looks like a certain somebody that, Peter Parker may have worked with in the Spider-Man 4 game. I'm just saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he he was the tech guy, you know. He sure. He was kind of running the whole robot army. That's and true. he was downloading all the AI and packed up his laptop and left before the uh, before the end of all of this. He's, he's still in the wind. He's th- out there. You think he might be a Doc Ock? He might turn himself into an Otto Octavius. That's possible. It's possible. He he is into the AI. He is into the robotics. That that's that's a possibility. Uh, I think it's possible that his team will continue Mysterio. Oh man, Cause that's the thing. I think Jake Gyllenhaal killed this role. I loved him in it so much. Absolutely. And I really am so sad that he's gone. I do is not he? want him to be gone. Well, I think he is. I, th- I I think at least we're supposed to believe it at this point. Yeah, we're supposed to believe that he's actually that he's actually gone, that he keeled over dead. Edith said all the illusions were gone, so yep. he's lying there dead. And I don't know how else he would have faked that. Um, I mean, Nick Fury faked it, the Winter Soldier. Well, sure, but he he just has like. That we find out. That's the thing. Honestly, I don't want them to have faked it because it was actually a pretty great death. And Marvel, we know that Marvel does has a horrible history of not letting people die when they die. Yep. I'm I'm upset that he died, but I don't want them to bring him back because it would be just another case where Marvel's not letting death matter. Now, what they could do is that his team could have all of his information stored. And could continue to use the Mysterio character, especially if Mysterio goes forward in the public eye as a hero because Peter Parker's the villain. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, all Mysterio was is projected illusions on top of things. Right. So it would be super simple for our, you know, AI guy over here that, that skedaddled with all of the tech and, and data and everything. It would be super easy for him to just find another guy to throw into the Mysterio helmet, you know, like put another person in the fishbowl and let him go. Well, and this thing, there wasn't even, he wasn't even in that fishbowl most of the movie. He's just over like controlling it like it's a you know video game and anyone can do that like you said it it, it just make it doesn't require anything um yep. it doesn't even really need a person in that fishbowl helmet i don't know what his actual function was well it, he kept saying like that was the he had to do that hot costume swap like the the quick costume the uh the one that was easy to put on really fast so that he could you know potentially meet with like the queen or whatever sure, sure and sure. shake hands like when you when you have to shake hands an illusion doesn't quite do it right right and, and may, maybe that that's all that's all supposition maybe there's not going to be any more of that guy 
anyway. I hope so, because if I recall correctly, he was... I, I don't want to just say that he was in the Sinister Six, but like I, I remember him being one of... I mean, he's in Spider-Man's biggest rogues gallery. For sure. He's one of Spider-Man's biggest villains, and I'm sure he's been in the Sinister Six in some incarnation. Looking it up. Original Sinister Six involved the original Mysterio. Yeah. Boom. You were saying. Yeah. <laughs> you said that. Like, I was wrong. I said, I'm sure he's been in a version of the Sinister Six. <laughs> yeah. I just, I had to lord it over you a little bit. But I didn't say anything wrong. <laughs> I know. You did good, Matt. Pat, pat, pat. <laughs> Thank you. It's all I wanted. I <laughs> just wanted a pat on the head. Oh, man. I really uh, thought this movie was so much fun. And uh, the thing that blew my mind, completely blew my mind, in the final moments of the, this movie was J.K. Simmons coming back as J. Jonah Jameson. That I audibly yelled with, I yelled the word yeah with just jubilance. Right. Like, such joy. I almost came out of my seat. I was so happy with that. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Oh man. I, I really, I really did too. I was jumping up and down. I was so pumped. And it's so great that like, even after all these years, after, you know, what, what has it been? Like 2000 three four somewhere yeah. in that range where he, when he last did it it's been like 15 years and he still got it he's still just the perfect j jonah jameson well and now he's coming back with a lot more cachet too he's like an oscar winner now yeah then he was like a character actor that no one really knew and they were like oh he's he's a really good j jonah jameson like that's what he was mostly known for now he's an oscar winner and an, and he has been on amazing tv shows and he's just coming at it from a totally different place and i am so excited and he, Absolutely. As as um, Kevin Smith always says, he walks between worlds as well. He was a DC. Uh, he, he he was in the yeah, he was, Justice uh, League. He was uh, Gordon. Yep. Commissioner, so. Lieutenant, Chief, whatever, Gordon. Police <sighs> Officer Gordon. Cannot wait to see more from J. John Jameson. I hope he is a big part of the movies going forward. And if, the, if this is anything, if this is any... Um, indication i think he will be also the cool thing is about bringing him in we now have j jonah jameson a jk simmons j jonah jameson in the marvel cinematic universe which means he can drop in as an anchor in any movie and comment about any superhero yes he can that is so great oh man i i just i want to hear j jonah jameson talk about captain marvel I want to hear him bashing her and then have like female callers being like, why are you on her ass like that? Yeah. See, that's a way better way of handling that whole, uh, Captain Marvel hate is actually put it in the mouth of the dumbass J. Jonah Jameson. Like, right. Just put those, like have him like literally read tweets. He is, he's the idiot of the world that we can just inject into the movie. Now I say we like we're a part of it, but you right. know what I mean? No, absolutely. I, I think that, um, this movie also did a lot. It, it, it touched on the idea of fake news. I mean, this movie is this movie is about fake news, basically. Yeah, this whole thing is just shenanigans. Yeah. Well, well. I mean, like they constantly talked in this movie. They, they talk. They talk about it a few times. And Mysterio's entire persona is about building himself up as a hero to uh, to people by just lying to them about it's fear mongering. It's fear mongering and it's yep. making yourself the hero of something you caused. And at the very end of the movie, his, his last line as he died was people need to believe. And nowadays they'll believe anything. They'll believe anything. I just thought that was really an iconic take on our current, uh, journalistic and political situation and social Absolutely. media. I just, I, it was a really well done and didn't, it didn't bash me over the head. It really didn't like I say it happened a lot, but it really, I feel like they only inserted it in a few places, but it really was, <laughs> um, poignant. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the, the specific ones that sticks out in my mind in my mind is when Peter said it was on the news and the news never lies. Right, exactly. And, like, everybody in the theater has a little bit of a chuckle. But, like, you think about it, it's like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
we all know. Why are we all laughing? Why is that such a laugh line? Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> because our media and political <sighs> system is real effed up. Right? Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. That is that is not what we're here to talk about. But Although it is always present and always... It's always there in Marvel. Like that's all. That's what Marvel has always been: is you know the world outside your window, just also with superheroes. So, you know, we kind of have to talk about it whenever it does come up. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, and what, I'm not even like trying to get. We don't get political on this show. Uh, we both have our feelings, and every once in a while we'll dive in a little bit. But we we don't really like to get political because this show uh, this show is about celebrating this Marvel stuff, and uh, but. Like I was going to say escapism. Well, that too, that too. And, uh, so we're, we're, we don't want anybody to feel like they're not welcome here, but, uh, but, and, and that's not even like a one-sided thing. There's people on both sides that believe everything's fake news and it's, it's tough, man. The world, the, the media, the media and political landscape is rough right now. Not getting yep. on either side. Like it's real rough right now. Yep, especially with uh, with an election year coming up. Like, yeah, it's going to be awful. Here we go again. <laughs> it's going to be awful. Uh, well, getting back to one of my favorite things in the movie, cause a couple of my favorite jokes. Uh, my favorite joke by far was the first one of the first lines of the movie after they do the in memoriam for the Avengers, which I thought was neat. It was neat to see like what a bunch of high school kid kids would think about the Avengers. <laughs> right, <laughs> that was cool. But I loved the meta joke right after. Where uh, the little anchor sitting with Betty says, it's like we're in a whole new phase. <laughs> and he says, he says, what, what, what comes now? Is there even a plan? <laughs> right. And that is so meta talking about the movies. I loved it. I loved if- it. Do the Avengers <laughs> even exist anymore? That yes, yes, these teenagers were asking all of the questions that the fans are asking. It's like, please, we need to know what's coming next so that we don't feel alone and just completely just shafted on emotions. You've ripped all of these people that we love away from us. We have to know you're providing something else. Absolutely. There there's a there's a thing going on on the internet. I think I shared it on our on our Facebook. Facebook.com slash MCU cast. Uh, but uh I shared it over there there was a thing going around that was like a coworker found out I didn't have kids and they're like, oh well what do you even live for? Like, what is your, what is your, what is your life about? Oh, like, yeah. well, Marvel's still- nothing without my kids. <laughs> right. And he's like, Marvel still got good movies coming out. So I got that. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's good. That's yep. Good. And it's not untrue. You know, and it's a, it, it, it's, it's a living. <laughs> yeah. The other joke I really liked was happy trying to throw the shield. <laughs> oh man. And he said, how does Cap do that? <laughs> oh no, I thought he said I'm not good at that. No, he said, How does Cap do that? Um uh, maybe I Because he him. threw it exactly the same way that he's seen Cap throw it. Exactly. Except yeah. Cap is like a billion times stronger than him. No, yeah, that was definitely the joke, is it was Cap. I just thought he said, I'm not good at that <laughs> as he ran away. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was really good. Uh really man. great, really great joke. Um I I I thought also when Peter, I don't know if this is intentional or not. He grabs the shield. He grabs that like a uh, bridge sign and holds it up as a shield. And then he runs swinging that thing around similar to how Thor swings his hammer. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of exactly like cap with the shield and Mjolnir. Yeah. And I kind of was like, is that, in, is that him learning from his Avengers role models? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Peter's always been one to change it up whenever his normal tactics don't work. That's why um, the Taskmaster was you know, one of his, or I'm sorry, Taskmaster first showed up in, in his line of comics and uh, Peter ended up actually using some moves from uh, Daredevil, if I recall, um, and just kind of, you know, completely switching tactics on on taskmaster and i forget what he actually calls it but he can if, as when he watches something and he, if he sees something happen he can immediately do exactly those motions so like he can shoot the way that hawkeye does he can throw the shield the way that gap does mm-hmm. uh, he's a great you know swordsman and all that jazz so like he's watching spider-man and learning all of spider-man's moves but then spider-man just completely changes it up on him so spidey's got the the tactical thought 
in you know in combat to be able to change things up to suit the situation and and he's really really innovative and and versatile in that way and i think that we finally got to see a little bit of that in in this movie where he's really starting to come into his own as spider-man he's owning like he owns um the spider sense not the peter tingle (laughs) it's the peter tingle now (laughs) he starts to actually own the spider sense and and uses it to great effect the way that we've always seen spider-man do in you know every other thing but he just has to kind of he has to grow into it and i I feel like that's this that's still the spider-man that we're seeing is he's growing into all of his powers and that carried you know like i said that carries over from the first one we're still seeing that Spider-Man really becoming the the great hero that he could be, or that he will be, really. Yeah. I, I loved that. I, I, I'm a sucker for someone sort of growing in their powers and learning them and getting better at them as they go throughout multiple movies. And I liked that this one was really... The big reveal here was it was it was, there was a lot of a character work about him learning to trust himself and learning that kind of he is... He's going to be a leader and he's going to be a superhero. It's part of who he is and he needs to embrace it. But also just like learning his spider sense, learning to trust his spider sense, learning how it works. As Happy said, getting it back online, (laughs) getting his Peter Tingle back online. Oh, man, Peter Tingle is so funny. Please stop calling it Tingle, man. Like, I, it, it, that's a joke that I can't believe has not been made before. And maybe it has. Maybe it's from comics somewhere. But, like, calling it a Peter Tingle is just, mwah, it's just good. It's good humor right there. <laughs> it's so wholesome. <laughs> it is. Oh, man. It's so wholesome and kind of dirty at the same time. I, I just love it. Yep. It's a dad joke. It is absolutely a dad joke. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. I'm trying to come up with my my favorite joke. I I really... The joke that I find the best was one that was strung out through this whole movie, and that is the the wisdom of Ned Leeds. Oh, yeah, Ned was great in this. (laughs) Jacob Batalon killed it as ned his his fake wisdom and his plan and just like completely getting derailed and getting with betty and then at the end of it they broke up and he's just like you know people grow apart but (laughs) they remember (laughs) they remember the paths that they walked together she's like you are so wise (laughs) so silly so silly their whole little their whole little bit was real fun and funny it, it was. It was. It was a really wholesome, child-friendly movie, and after Endgame, we needed that. I, right. I, I was talking to my friend who there were some children in the theater watching the Spider-Man movie, and then they were like, they, apparently, the kids in front of my friend were like, "Did Tony die? Oh no! Because they didn't see Endgame. Oh no! Yeah." And I was like, "Oh man, you know what? They they absolutely should have released like a." A rated G version, like a cartoon version of Endgame. Like, they really should have. They should have, like, told the story in an animated form just to keep the kids on board. Because a lot of kids want to watch Spider-Man, and all of them watch the last Spider-Man. And they don't... They they all watched Iron Man, but some parents didn't take their kids to Endgame because it was so dark. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. But also, 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 if we're being real, kids that are that young are really hard to keep um, engaged for sure. three hours in a movie. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's my point. It was really dark, and it's hard to be engaged for that long. Like, that's a lose-lose combo for a parent. Yeah. So make an hour-and-a-half version of Endgame where you tell the basic story, similar to what they do with the Star Wars movies. They've made, like, cartoons of the of the Star Wars movie and books and stuff that, like, have to- retold the story of the original trilogy because kids today don't want to watch the original trilogy. They, But they like Star Wars. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, compared to modern VFX, the original trilogy is so boring. Like, no, and not just the effects, but pacing. Everything's very different. And Yeah. It was a different time. We can get into Star Wars, but I don't really like Star Wars, so uh, and I'll, I'll just piss everybody off. And there's a lot of new <laughs> listeners probably listening today, so I'm not trying to piss anybody off. Uh, <laughs> welcome. Hi. Welcome. Star Wars is great. <laughs> Let's talk about Spider-Man. 
And, and let me just clarify. I'm teasing by saying I don't like Star Wars. I do like Star Wars. It's just not my favorite universe. Oh, so you're doing it the same way that I tease DC for having bad movies. Oh, no. You're much more cruel. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I'm a cruel person, though. So, you know, that's all that is. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Oh, man. Uh, well, I think that that's I think that's a good place to get into some feedback. What do you think? Yes, yes. Okay. All right. Well, all right. Uh, before we get feedback, we're gonna give you a word from our sponsors. So check out this word from our sponsor. We have this amazing deal from these people that you may have heard of. They're by the name of Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company that makes eating well easy and affordable with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle. Now, you may have heard us talk about HelloFresh before and you're like, how can you guys jump ship on HelloFresh? They were so good to you. Well, they are good to us and they continue to be good to us. They have joined forces with Green Chef. They are owned by HelloFresh. And they have created one amazing company with a wide variety of meal box offerings. Now, we, we previously had, uh, had talked about how, you know, the meal cards are so elegant and, you know, they, they ship you all the ingredients and they're pre-measured and perfectly portioned. And most of the time they're, they're mostly prepped and everything is so much easier to do. And it's so easy that my 10 year old could do it, but that's not the amazing thing. That's not the amazing thing, that my 10-year-old can make bulgogi pork meatballs for the family. That's not the crazy thing. They have meal plans that include paleo, vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, Mediterranean, heart smart, lean and clean, keto, gluten-free, and omnivore. And the one that we like the most is carnivore. You know Mm -hmm. how it goes. But they have all of these amazing meal plans that you can that you can choose from to fit any kind of lifestyle that you need. So any plan that you're following, anything that you're doing, Matt, I know that you're following a plan. It should be pretty easy to follow with Green Chef. Yeah, man. Green Chef and HelloFresh have been really helpful in my current weight loss journey that I've been on for like a year and a half now. So these things, these these boxes are great for that because they come pre-portioned and you know you just cook them, but they have all the uh, nutritional information is readily available. Sometimes when you home cook, it's kind of hard to figure out exactly the calories and stuff. So it's nice to have that uh, pre-figured out for you. Yep, yep. So with that, Green Chef makes achieving your 2019 goals easy with dinner options that work around your lifestyle, not the other way around. So, for a total of $75 off, that's $25 off each of your first three boxes, go to greenchef.us slash mcucast75. Again, $75 off, $25 off of each of your first three boxes, go to greenchef.us slash mcucast75. Yeah, you gotta eat, you know, or order that stuff. Greenchef.us slash mcucast75. $75 $75 off. Do it. All right. All right. Solid ad read, Jeff. Um, I do what I can, sir. Solid ad read. Before we get into the feedback, uh, what do you think of the scroll reveal? Oh, the scroll reveal, sir, of the secret invasion is what it feels like. <clears throat> and the fact that you were absolutely right about Nick Fury being a scroll well, the entire time. I don't think I was right. But oh, you were... One hundred percent. He's never not been a scroll. He's probably born a scroll. I think he has not. I think Talos has recently taken over because he apparently didn't know how to reach the Avengers, which means it sounds like he has moved into this role more recently. Yep. Yeah. it, It seems like he's a proxy on Earth to stand in for Nick Fury and occasionally call Nick Fury, uh, and tell him like, Hey, uh, Things are a little weird. Gave him the glasses, and, uh... He said I gave him the glasses like he told me to, uh, and I'm assuming that that means he was... The Nick Fury we saw get disappeared, and the Nick Fury that came back, and probably the one at the funeral, was all the real Nick Fury. So this change had to have happened recently. Yeah, 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 um... The real question, I think, here is not how long has Nick Fury been a scroll, but what is Nick Fury working on? Yeah, I Because agree. it sounded like he was getting everybody back to work. I mean, he said back to work, and then he talked about not having shoes on, but that's yeah, beside where the point. Yeah, where are my shoes? Who got my shoes? He said something like that. <laughs> Who's got my shoes? That was a really funny last line of the movie. 
Yep. Yep. And he came out of a he came out of what looked like absolutely a spaceship. Surrounded well not surrounded, but like there were scrolls working all over the place, walking around, and he said everybody back to work. Let's yeah, go. I think that was like, more him talking to himself. Maybe. And he says everybody back to work, but it's him. He's the one that's taking a break. So I think it was him. Because everybody else looked like they were already working. I think that was just more of a way he said it. Everybody back to work. Who's got my shoes? <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, it. Oh God, I was kind of worried that, uh, you know, when we first saw that Fury, where he was... It looked like he was in Tahiti, and I was like, oh, God, no. Right. For those of you who have not seen it, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has a whole storyline about visiting Tahiti and how, how that can go. It's a magical place. How it's a magical place and how it can go horribly wrong um, <laughs> if you're if you're Coulson. Uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was like, the whole movie, I kept thinking, this Nick Fury is not very smart. Yeah, this Nick Fury seems like he's out of the loop. But they did kind of explain it away, sort of. Yes. With the whole, like, I don't know anything anymore because I was gone for five years. Yes, they did. Uh, but I still felt like this Nick Fury was a little more gullible than the regular Nick Fury. A few, yeah. in, a few in a few places. And, and then it turns out there's a reason. He's not Nick Fury. He's, yep. ta- he's yep. Talos or Talos. Talos. I think, Talos? Ca- I think that lady in uh, the fake... Maria Hill calls him Talos and Talos. I noticed it this time I was watching it. Like in that one scene, she calls him Talos and Talos. Mm. It's like, all right, well, that's maybe, confusing. Maybe one's past tense. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. She said his name yep. in the past tense. Yeah. That's what you do, right? That's how, that's the way it's a scroll thing. You wouldn't get it. Yeah. I guess I'm not. I guess I don't. Um, all right. So, we don't know. I'm 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 thinking he's he's more recently turned into a scroll. So that yeah, yeah that's that was all pretty crazy. There's so many things I want to talk about with this movie. Is there I guess is there anything else before we get into this feedback? Well, I mean, there's the uh there's the the talk of, you know, how when when rather when did you start to fall into Quentin Beck's trap? Hmm. When did you start to believe him? Like, maybe he's not such a bad guy. I never did. Never? No. But it was just because it was comics knowledge. I just knew that he was a fake. I didn't know exactly what he was faking or why, but I was sure he was faking. Especially once the, you know, once the glasses got involved and Spider-Man started thinking about giving them to him. I was like, oh yeah, this is clearly, I didn't know that was his whole plan. Yeah, I don't know. I, I never, I never, I never was convinced he wasn't a bad guy. Okay, okay. Well, like in the beginning of the movie, when they started off in Mexico, and he shows up and it's like, "You don't want any part of this," and like fights the the rock monster. My first response to it was like, "Awfully convenient that you show up just as the rock monster does, Mysterio," and that was, you know, that's kind of how I was the whole beginning of the movie I was like i don't trust this guy when's he gonna turn and it was like right about the time where he started to to bond with peter and like really show that he could be a big brother type character yeah to to peter i start like i softened for a split second in the bar <laughs> when like i was i was uncomfortable with peter giving him the glasses i was like you shouldn't do that peter that's a bad idea but i was softening like you know maybe Maybe it's not. Like, maybe Quentin Beck might be a okay dude. And then, like, immediately, it's like the, it's like the writers were like, this is the part where we get Jeff Randall. This is where, this is where he turns to our side. And then, then we do it. That scene where everyone disappears was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yes. Uh, just him acting so crazy and and giving a toast to all the office workers and stuff. It just seems so mild mannered. <laughs> all the just ex Tony Stark employees. It was so good. Oh man, I loved yep. it. And that's actually that's one of the better because you know that was that was to replace the hero or not the hero that was to replace the villain's monologue. And I mean it was a monologue, yes, but you know normally you've got this mustache twirly like i'm fighting the the hero i'm beating him and i've got a monologue about my plan so that he can get, run away and learn how to defeat me and come back it was all just like him 
you know, giving toasts to people in a way that people would absolutely do. Like it was, it felt real that they were celebrating their great achievement because they had achieved their goal. Yeah, they did. It did. The thing that I'm interested in with Mysterio and I'm always interested in this with characters. Did he know was his contingency plan to die? I I think that what he likely did is recorded himself on the ground saying like you know the Spider-Man attacked me or whatever and then that got put over the background after the fact like he recorded it beforehand as a just in case because he figured that Spider-Man, you know, there was a chance that Spider-Man could get up there to where he was. Oh, I'm fully, I fully don't even think that was really Quentin Beck or whoever this guy was. Because his name isn't Quentin Beck; it's a drill name. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a fabricated story. I think that they had the, the they have this technology that they can reproduce anyone perfectly. I think those guys can. I think I think that those guys could have completely whole cloth built that scene. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. I don't even think it's necessary that he recorded that. And I definitely don't think he recorded it beforehand. But right before he dies, he's like, I have con- I have a contingency plan. And I was wondering if him dying was always on the table as like, if I can't be a hero and live and be a hero, I'm still going to die and look like a hero. And my people yeah. know what to do in that scenario. Yeah. I mean, they were pretty well coordinated. I also don't know exactly when he swapped places with his, because uh, he sends the, he says he tells the drones to go after Spider Man and shoot, even though he's in the in the area, and then they fire and hit him. And I guess those are the injuries he's dying of a minute later. But we never really lose sight of him, and that's the one that Peter runs over to on the ground and is is apparently an illusion. So that was a little strange. I I, I don't know. I didn't know. I don't know why he died. Like I wish he hadn't died. Uh, yeah. for, I wish he hadn't died anyway. But like, I kind of wish that that one who got hit was all was was the illusion all along because that's kind of what it looked like. But I guess he can do all kinds of things with the illusion. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. I like that they leaned into the special effects thing with with uh, Mysterio, like specifically Mysterio behind the scenes because it looked like Jake Gyllenhaal walking around with a fishbowl on his head was like straight up like mocap ready like how are we gonna mocap this guy he just like stuck some shit on his head and just started walking around like uh, you know it's up to the effects guys to figure this out because you know what I'm out and he just was in that mocap suit and just walking around on the bridge yeah. and in this like craptastic looking fishbowl and it's like of course that's what they do because they're ex Stark employees. They're not Tony Stark. Tony Stark would have built something crazy better. But like this is what they have to work with. They can't it's like it's like a knockoff. It's it's a cheap knockoff Tony Stark and it takes a team of people to do it. Hmm. I don't know about that. I think these it's a different ability. I mean, he's not Iron Man. He's Mysterio. But this yeah. this ability to create this world this like false reality with with these projectors and and with the combined forces with the guy who works with drones and the military tech, like that's a really cool hero or like a really cool uh, villain and really cool powers set in general. Yeah. Like, you ask yourself, you, you like, if you go back and read any of the comics, or you go back and watch the Spider-Man cartoon, and you see Mysterio, you're like, how the hell is this going to be special effects? Like, how the hell would they reproduce this? How, yeah. how do you translate this to a screen? And what they did in this movie to, to bend Peter's mind and, like, almost try to break his will in in the middle part where, you know, where he got hit by the train... Like, all of that was just so absolutely comic book Mysterio. Absolutely. It was so perfect. And, man, so much of this was so straight out of the comics. I, I love the bridge fight with all the drones. It's just yes. a long scene where it's just Spider-Man doing cool acrobatic fighting with his webs. Yes! So yes. much fun. And then... to that that Like, it was such an innovative final battle where he has to think he closes his eyes and uses his spider sense to fight his way through the illusion 
Oh, man. It's such a beautiful He's scene. just basically tearing the illusion apart, tearing the illusion down around him. Yeah. Just to lay it all bare. Oh, God. It was so powerful, Matt. It was Matt, really we got to go see this movie again. I already did. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've already seen it twice. Um, and I probably will go see it again. All right. Let's get into some feedback, my friend. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Andy Joe Show sent us an email, said, Hi guys, just saw Far From Home, and holy fuck! <laughs> I love the all caps there. Uh, that movie is amazing! I didn't know who to trust, and it reminded me a lot of The Winter Soldier. The only part that I didn't like was the beginning, how they made a tribute for all the dead people, and it was played as a joke. I didn't like that. But a lot of people in my theater thought it was funny, so I guess I'm in the minority that didn't like it. I think we all guessed that Mysterio was evil, but I thought he at least was from another universe, so I was wrong about that. I like J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. I think you guys are right with the Tobey Maguire universe being in the same parallel plane as the main MCU. And Fury and the Skrulls? How long has Fury been a Skrull? Since Tony's funeral? The Winter Soldier? Captain Marvel? I need to know. Keep up the great work. I love the show. Drew. P.S. I also love Led Zeppelin. (laughs) Such a good joke. Uh, You're not going to get that one because it's not from Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That, yeah, these are all that I, I'm, I'm totally with the, the Andy Joe show here. Uh, all this stuff is, is good. J. Jonah Jameson was amazing. Um, I, it, it, I didn't mention it earlier, but I do think that the uh, J.K. Simmons being in this lends credence to the idea that this might be, we might be in a similar universe to yeah. the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Yeah, man. Bring them in too. Yeah. You got Spider-Verse right there. I would be okay. Of all the Marvel movies, I know people hate on the third one particularly, but I'd be okay bringing Tobey Maguire over into the into the MCU or like into a version, uh, into a parallel universe to the MCU. Oh man, think about having Andrew Garfield be like the older, wiser Peter Parker that's like mentoring young Peter Parker and Miles Morales. How great would that be? It'd be pretty great. I would love that. All right, and we got a voicemail up next. Oh, yeah? From Mike here. Here's our voicemail. Hey, this is Mike. So leading up to the new Spider-Man movie, everybody was trying to determine what the double meaning of the title was, Far From Home. So was there just not a double meaning like there was with Homecoming? Because I sure didn't get two meanings out of that title. I can't think of one. Can you think of a double meaning? I think it was in there as a uh, a bit of a a misdirect because if Quentin Beck had actually been from another Earth, per the multiverse theory that was uh, shat upon, effectively, mm-hmm. he would have been quite far from home. Sure, uh, yeah, it, like I do think that we don't know it's a misdirect until about halfway through the movie, so it's kind of st- it's kind of nice. It was kind of a nice misdirect, um, but yeah, I don't think there's a double meaning. Yeah, I don't think there's the meta meaning that we have been, uh, that we've, that we saw with Homecoming, with it being, you know, Spider-Man's finally coming home to the MCU, um, to Marvel Studios, as well as there being a Homecoming dance. I think it was just, you know, they called it Far From Home, and he was far from home in Italy. I also think that there is a, um, vibe of him being far from home as in he's he's facing challenges that are bigger than he's used to but oh yeah that that's that's kind of goes along with the whole plot it's not really a double meaning as much as it is just part of what the meaning is so well you know home for him involves knowing that tony stark is going to be there to save him and he's not yeah i think that might be stretching it a little bit though (laughs) no man we're going to get every meaning we can in, into this. We're going to jam them all in. It's just not really home. I mean, he only knew Tony Stark for like a little while. Mm. <laughs> anyway, Sarah Lydia said to us on Twitter, one, was that Yelena who gave, who gave Peter a tactical spy suit? Uh, Are we going to answer these in order? Just yeah, like yeah. In let's the just middle? answer okay. one at a time uh, because okay. reading five questions and doing five answers is really silly. Uh, was <laughs> that Yelena? I don't know. I don't know Yelena from comics, but that's another Black Widow. We looked it up. Yes, Yelena Belova is a uh, is a the 
blonde Black Widow, effectively, uh, trained at the same time that Natasha Romanov did, or uh, Natalia Romanovna is her original name. Anyway, uh, trained at the same time that she did in, in the Red Room. Um, I think that it was believed that that's who was in um, season two of Agent Carter, or it mm. might have been season one. I'm not, yeah, I don't remember, but I remember there was a, there was the female agent. Yeah. The blonde spy lady. Apparently, like, that's, yeah, that might have been her, but I don't remember. And I didn't do any research before reading this question. Other right. than to be like, who's Yelena? Oh, yeah. The answer is, <laughs> there's not enough information to know. But I do, <laughs> it, it, there was another Black Widow or part of the same program in Agent Carter season one. Uh, and I think she actually is in season one and season two. She comes back. Um, so, yeah. The, it's possible that either one of those was Yelena, but I don't know Yelena from comic books, so I can't really answer that. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing against the actress. I just didn't see enough of her to really like her for that role. Sure, sure. I'm still getting over Either Natasha. way, if it is, it's just a nod to the comics. It's not... Yeah. I don't think they're bringing it's her back regularly. That they're doing it. Yeah. So uh, she says see. number two, Secret Invasion. All caps, All Secret caps. Invasion. Uh, I don't know that they're going to go with Secret Invasion. Yeah, Secret Invasion is a very different storyline from what they're doing here. This looks like the, I mean, the scrolls are working alongside us, which I think is interesting. I think it's interesting to have the scrolls be on our side, going for, be on the side of Earth, because it it's kind of goes along with what. Marvel has done all along. They've always been more about telling the hero story. And instead of creating the scrolls as a villain, which they might still do, and, and they, they might have some scrolls be villains. Oh. Uh, but it's kind of neat. A, 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 a group of people with such cool power, uh, getting to hear the story sort of from their side, you know? Oh man, no! Matt! It's perfect! Secret Invasion is absolutely a thing that can happen. Sure. No, no, no! Like the uh, J. Jonah Jameson being the mouthpiece, the the fearmonger, the shit stirrer that he is. He would say that the heroes are helping an invasion of shapeshifter aliens. And sure, yeah, yeah. Stir up public hate of these of these invaders. You know, calling it a secret invasion, and then somebody like Norman Osborn could absolutely swoop in and, and take all of that glory for kicking these, you know, these green baddies out. Right. Yeah. And, and it goes along with Marvel, uh, trying to tell stories that relate to what's going on in the news and stuff too. So yeah, I think that's absolutely a possibility. And then that gives us dark rain. Yeah. It would, oh. it would be a very different take on secret invasion, but it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Number three from Sarah says, what, or I'm sorry, was the surfboard mention a silver surfer Easter egg? Question mark. Uh, I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it too. I think that was just happy being silly. Uh, yeah. I don't think that they're, uh, I don't think that they're quite ready for the Herald of Galactus just yet, but do not discount Marvel getting those Fox rights back. Because and the whole point of that statement was that there is no surfboard. He was yeah. just trying, he was saying something to get in, saying something that made no sense to, to cue him in that something was going on. Although Fury was at the beach. That is that. Well, he was at a fake beach. Yeah. With a fake surfboard. Probably. And, and that wasn't even Fury. So, <laughs> well, he's talking Fury to a fake Fury. I'm yeah, saying fair. Either, I get you, I get you for saying. Yeah. 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 Uh, number four, are we getting alpha flight? I don't know um, why you're asking this, this one, Sarah. I, I, I tried to look up anybody else. You have to be more. I don't know why this movie. I don't know anything in this movie that led me to believe alpha flight was coming. Yeah. They didn't go to Canada. Yeah. They go <laughs> all over the world, but not Canada. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, there's little, snippets and tidbits everywhere what we're really gonna where we're really gonna find out is later at sdcc this year i think at san diego comic-con when they go to hall h they're going to drop a hell of a bomb on us i hope so i'm ready to know what's coming uh i'm 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 sad we got we literally don't know what movies come out in may do we nope 
Wow. We know that some are being worked on. We know that Black Widow is being worked on. We have like 10 dates, but we have no idea what they're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, And then Sarah concludes this saying, number five, it was so great, my heart exploded at least twice. You need to get that looked at. For sure. For sure. Get that looked at, Sarah. (laughs) Oh, that sounds dangerous. Mm -hmm. Danger! Sorry. That's okay. Uh, Brandon McCulley said to us in a Facebook message, just started listening, but loving the cast so far. Wanted to share an idea I cannot get off my mind. Luis makes a perfect fill-in for Stan as the Watcher. Theory? Far From Home opens with Luis explaining the five-year gap-slash-no-gap paradox. As you already stated, if you weren't simply sitting in your couch at the snapping, odds are you're coming back to some serious chaos. Perfect solution to a serious quandary. I like the idea, and I really wish it was that, but we did get a really good one in this in this movie with it being the uh, the Channel One News, basically the, the high school news team. Yeah. And that whole sequence of the 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 band kids coming back standing perfectly you know in place where they were when they disappeared like them coming right back there in the you know the blip or if, if you call it that which is a weird name i, like, mm-hmm. I still like the snapping um or the snapshot uh them coming back immediately where they were and just like getting bowled over by by basketball players that was, was so funny hilarious i also liked uh Aunt May talking about how she got oh, snapped God. back to her apartment, and yes. it was a family, and the wa- the wife thought she was a mistress, and <laughs> the grandma and the thought, she was, thought she was a ghost. It's real good. Yes. <laughs> Taking the snapshot, and which is such a serious thing in Infinity War Endgame, and making it such a joke in this movie was art, very artfully and well done. I liked it a lot. Yeah, and I, you you got to think about it. Like we we had talked about, yeah, it's going to be weird for people to to pop back, you know, right where they were. There's going to be people that were in the air on a plane. They're going to fall into the ocean and die. Like, <laughs> there's, yeah, there's going to be people that were in a car that are just going to be like on the interstate and like, pfft, they're gone. Um, there's also going to be those people who show up and are on distant planets where they didn't expect to be. But we didn't think about this, this one very strong possibility is that there would be some people who would try to use that to their advantage, like Spider-Man or Peter's teacher's wife. Oh yeah. Faked her own death through the snapshot. She faked, she faked being blipped. That was real good. Oh man. It's like we had a funeral. We had a, we even had a fake funeral. Well, it was a real funeral because I thought she was dead. Yep. <laughs> that was so, it was so sad. Oh man. Oh man. And his delivery on that is so good. <laughs> yeah, it was really great. Oh, he's just, he's such great deadpan. Anyway, <clears throat> so let's see. Uh, along with that, they did also mention, you know, the one thing that, that my uh, that my wife brought up is that, you know, there would be siblings that would be the younger sibling at the moment of snap and the unsnap. You know, they are now the older sibling. Yep. They talk about that in the movie. And they talked about that right out of the gate. And I was like, hey, look, they heard you. (laughs) Or they heard you through me because they obviously listened to us. It was so cool how they made so many of those small connections. And like, what would the the snapshot look like to a bunch of teenagers? Like, how would they experience the snapshot? And it, it was so interesting. I loved it. Yep. And, you know, you've got that... You've got that perception of like the you know the guy who was in high school that you know is now older than everybody that you know that one guy that's like it's so weird that he's coming on the trip and he's so much older than everybody but he or well yeah he's older than everybody now but he was you know young and meek before you talking about Brandon like, or Brad Brad or Brad, Brad. Brad. No, I think Brad. he was their age. I think he'd started, he was way younger. Like they were he saying, he was the guy that they morphed on the, on the news program. Yeah, I know. But I think he was just, he was like five years younger than them. And now he'd caught up, I think was what they were getting at. Now he's like a junior mm. or senior in high school. And he was like a kid when they all snapped away. I think that it was, I think it was closer than that. All right. So David Pendergrass said to us in a, uh, in a Facebook message. Also, fun fact, Earth 833, Mysterio's dimension, is the spider UK Earth. 
And in Spider-Verse, that universe gets destroyed in the incursions. Could be a great future connection. I love this feedback. We actually got it before the movie uh, came out, so this isn't response to the movie. But man, I wish that had been the case. But it right? looks like the whole thing wasn't real in Far From Home. So, damn it! Yeah, it was just and a fiction. Like, and now I'm worried that you know Agents of Shield was leaning into multiverse really hard, and that just got ripped out from under them. Like, what do what do they do now? Yeah, I have no idea because I haven't been able to catch up because we watched all Jessica Jones and Spider Man for weeks. <laughs> I'm two weeks behind. I'm sorry. It's so good, though. It is real good. Uh, Robert Vogel said to us in a Facebook message, on your wall, but it might not have been seen, uh, and it still bothers me to this day after watching Endgame. I can't remember exactly how old Peter Parker was in the movie, and I never remember to look it up when I'm free to look it up. But let's say he's 16. Or in that case, anybody that was snapped away was 16 when they came back. Would it be legal for them to drink? For some reason, this got stuck in my head, and I'm imagining everybody who got snapped has to have a little icon on their IDs, like a little gauntlet on it, to indicate they were gone for five years. <laughs> so those five years don't count for driver's license, liquor, and that sort of thing. Yeah, they actually addressed this in the movie. I love how many things they addressed that they addressed in the movie. Like, it's amazing that, that that's such a funny question, and it's actually in the movie. <laughs> Yep. So I hope yep. he's happy when he sees this movie because it's in there. Good, yep. good call. We saw we saw Flash get snatched away. It's like, hey, he got blipped, so he's not twenty one. Like, <laughs> oh shit, <laughs> that idea did not count. That's so great. Yep, that was. Uh, I'm I'm real happy with how this movie. You know. It was a good movie, but it also did a really good job of like listening to the fans' questions and just answering them in, in little ways, in little details that just kind of filled out the world. Yeah, really, just it filled it out the way that the way that Netflix Marvel stuff did with you know the city of New York. It just kind of made the whole world feel like it was affected. You know, yeah. This one being from Sony, uh, the first movie. I felt like was its own little story and Iron Man was just kind of in it, you know? And yeah. I kind of was expecting that to be the case with this one. And this one just felt so tied in to the larger universe. Yeah, it did. It. In a very Spider-Man way. Yeah, for sure. Let's see. Xavier Ortiz sent us an email. Yeah, what's up, guys? I'm a new listener, but longtime fan of the MCU. And I can't thank you guys enough for the great content you guys put out. Sorry for the little throwback to this episode, but I just wanted to add on into the discussion about the multiple universes and possibilities you guys talk about around the 10-minute mark. I'm assuming this is a comment on one of our previous episodes. Yeah, we had an episode about alternate universes. Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's right. <laughs> I remember that conversation vividly. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Uh, he said, having other characters existing without the main MCU characters like Tony and Fury is exactly what I would love to see happen, mainly because of the Venom movie. I would hate for that character slash movie slash Tom Hardy to just get scrapped off like no big deal when they could easily use this type of multiverse methods. Thanks for the content again, and keep on keeping on. Excelsior. Yeah. Yeah, that is one way that they could uh, they could do that is to... I mm, Tom Hardy is a really great actor. I just I'm not a fan of jumping the gun on Venom like that. And you know, based on the reviews, I still haven't seen it. Based on the reviews, Venom was not not what Sony had hoped for as far as quality. And so I think that bringing that into our MCU MCM even our Marvel cinematic multiverse would be, it would be a disservice in my opinion. Hmm. Yeah. I, we haven't seen venom. We, we, so I, I'm not gonna say that about venom, but uh, cause I, I've heard good things about venom and I know that it's not the venom we wanted, but it's the venom we deserve. <laughs> it might be the venom we get. And th there was actually a news story recently that, uh, Kevin Feige, uh, has come to terms that it's very likely that Spider-Man will cross over with Venom. Yeah. I mean, Sony does still own the rights. Yeah. And that means that Venom's in the MCU. I hate to say it. Unless they do a multiverse thing, it means he's in the MCU. So, uh, we may end up covering that movie soon because it looks like it's in the MCU. <laughs> mm. 
I think that we should probably cover it along with Spider Man into the mult or into the Spider Verse, right? Just to have a Spider Month this yeah, month. Yeah, that'd be good. We could do that. And then we could also watch the uh, the '90s cartoon, right? Yeah, all of it in its entirety. No, can't do that. Don't have time. Oh, what what else are you doing? Okay. So our final feedback for the day is Lane sent us a tweet about an hour ago. Uh, said, Adams, you cast, I feel like Marvel is doing the movie making equivalent of playing a video game in God mode, just crushing all opponents <laughs> without breaking a sweat. Meanwhile, DC is ecstatic with, they didn't hate that one. <laughs> and that is my favorite quote. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll end on some DC hate just for Jeff. Yes. I love it. All right, guys. Well, thank you for hanging out with us today. If you liked what we're doing here, if you like these kinds of conversations, please subscribe and be looking for the next episode coming soon. We are the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. Hit us up at mcucast.com, at mcucast on all the social medias. If you'd like to hear more from me, I have two other podcasts, the Star Trek Universe Podcast and the Orville Universe Podcast, both available on all your podcatchers. And if you'd like to hear my music, which is how I make my living and what I, my main passion in life, check out uh matthew carroll wherever you get music peace until next time true believers so cast 75 75 dollars off it's gonna be awesome do it. <laughs> Until next ad, true believers. <laughs> <laughs>